0: The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello Buglers and welcome to your end of year 2021 2021 special. And what a year 2021 it has been. There will be a live Bugle recording uh, next week. We are recording in Melbourne on the 22nd of December. There's also a bonus satirist for hire show on the 23rd of December if you want to come along to that. And in Sydney on the 4th of January we've added a live Bugle earlier in the evening on the 4th of January, before the Saturdays for Hire show. Before those shows, however, let's remind ourselves of all the great things to have happened in 2021. All done, let's look at some of the other stuff now. And let's start in January with events in Washington, D.C., with Mark Steele and Hari Kondabolu. Top story this week, the American uncivil war. The Um, it's, uh... Well, Hari, you are our um, collapse of American civilization correspondent, um, a, a role which you've embraced with great enthusiasm over the past uh, four and a bit years. Um, uh, talk, in fact, you were you you were on the first bugle uh, after we relaunched, just before the election of, of President Trump. So, just uh, just bring us up to date with the last the last the recent events in Trump's America.
1: I mean, let me first say, uh, will the aliens get here already? I, there. This is the time. We're weak. We're diseased. We're destroying ourselves. This is the time. Um, you know, there's a lot of things one could say about Trump, but the man can make an exit. I mean, he leaves with a bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Uh, Wednesday started great. You know, it didn't start out all shit. I actually felt optimistic for about an hour uh, right. because uh, the Democrats uh, won the uh, Georgia runoffs, which gave them control of the Senate, the House, and the presidency, which is a huge paradigm shift, right, in American politics because it changed the question from how are Republicans going to prevent anything from being done to how are the Democrats Going to f this one up. <laughs> that's, that's, that's huge. Um, yeah. Very big victory, also. It was, uh, it was Raphael Warnock and, uh, and John Ossoff, and they beat uh, uh, Kelly Leffler, who's the most racist NBA owner since Donald Sterling, and uh, David Perdue, who is uh, just generic rich white guy from casting.
0: Um, American politics needs more of them, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean he—he, he, this is—he'll uh, be back. He'll be fine. They're currently bathing in gold coins, so both of them are fine. Um, but Warnock and Ossoff uh, won again, which is exciting. I wish the headlines read "Republicans get knockoffed," but nobody decided to. Uh, <laughs> That was for you, Andy. I don't write Uh, jokes uh, like that. I'm much appreciated.
0: That's that's been the best thing that's happened to me this year.
1: A a black man and a Jewish man are now the two senators of the state of Georgia, which to explain how likely that is, uh, the only thing less likely is if they became senators in the country of Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) So I was in a good mood uh, until I put on... The, uh, the news about, uh, you know, sometime uh, in the afternoon, and I saw the Capitol under siege. The colonizers were getting restless. <laughs> they were, the Capitol was raided by Trumpers, Proud Boys, and what appeared to be extras from Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> also, potentially some tourists who saw a line and just gotten it. <laughs> I think that's how the British Empire started actually. Which is if we go back to the very beginning of this sorry story of course. After months of uh, claiming the election was stolen and years of being a piece of shit, Trump <laughs> Trump released the Kraken. They smashed through the doors of the Capitol and went onto the Senate floor. They went into Nancy Pelosi's office and sat in her seat. Things were destroyed and stolen people took selfies of themselves or as they're now known self-incriminationees <laughs> some were armed some had handcuffs two ieds were found ieds of course are improvised explosive devices you might be familiar with those since they were found in Iraq during the most recent war we had with them when we claimed we were trying to bring democracy over <laughs> If the people of Iraq had seen this footage from last week beforehand, they probably could have said, don't worry, we have that here already.
0: <laughs> it was true. I mean, I think one of my favorite, uh, if you can have a favorite, that seems the wrong word, but at that rally that you mentioned um, before the violence uh, kicked off, um, as uh, you know, Trump was Throwing his toys out of the pram, and by toys I mean violent supporters, and out of the pram I mean directly up the road to storm the Capitol building. Uh, he called the election result bullshit, and at which point the crowd then started chanting bullshit, bullshit, and I think that might have been peak irony in human history. Trump's crowd chanting bullshit, bullshit at Trump. Might I think that, in fact, might be the basic the moment that all civilization essentially ended. It's over. The, there's nowhere for the human race to go after this. Especially as, I mean, what surprised us all was that uh, it was Trump doing this. You'd think, well, it's just so out of character. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it, it just shows you it's always the ones you least expect that end up causing <laughs> trouble, isn't it? All his neighbours, well, he keeps himself to
2: himself, usually
0: <laughs> In February, vaccine news dominated in a way that's well, not at all relevant now, I'd say Top story this week, vaccine rollout begins. Uh, Well, globally, this is very exciting news. Covid, the virus which has proved such a disappointingly tenacious little shit over the past year and a bit, so stubbornly reluctant to give in to the kind of short-termist grandstanding political bombast that so many countries have come to depend on to work their way through difficulties, could be set to face its toughest opponent yet, belated global cooperation. Because the COVAX scheme uh, has begun, a global initiative aimed at achieving something vaguely approaching equitable-ish access to Covid vaccines, for the less economically advan- advantaged nations of the world provided of course there's still uh, enough uh, for some countries to get one over on other rival countries for example Germany by finding one aspect of the virus we can not spectacularly f <laughs> up more than anyone else so uh I mean N- Nish uh, you are our uh, global uh, vaccination correspondent and have been since the very first time you appeared on this show indeed I have um, I've been waiting for uh, this portfolio to bear fruit <laughs> This is uh, well, this, this, the, the, oh, it's, it's
3: interesting news. This whole project have, tells us quite a lot about, uh, about the world in general, both its good points and its bad points. Yeah, I mean, the, the positive headlines, which we should open with under the current climate of general pervading gloom, is that <laughs> 600,000 doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine have arrived uh, in Ghana and making Ghana the first country to receive coronavirus vaccines through the COVAX vaccine sharing initiative. Now, my first question is, guys, Why are we giving them the vaccines, and why are they not coming from Wakanda? I've seen Black Panther. There's absolutely no way that that guy wasn't able to knock up some sweet viruses and put them in vibranium vials. Secondly, Andy, let's take a moment and enjoy the fact that this is a good news story that involves the West bringing viruses to Africa and it not ending in everyone dying. That That is not historically where the the direction of travel that that has gone. White people turning up with viruses has not traditionally ended well for people of my skin hue and darker, (laughs) frankly. (laughs) It's been an absolute shit show. There uh, There is a sort of story that's been bubbling under in the last couple of weeks in Britain about how certain black and minority ethnic groups are having a lower than expected vaccine turnout. Now, obviously... As a member of a minority ethnic group living in Britain, I want to make it clear that I will absolutely be taking the vaccine when it's offered to me. I can't wait. I'm just going to shove it up my ass and hope for the best, Okay, I'm excited (laughs) to receive the vaccine. However, white people do need to understand that we are not exactly crying wolf here. And there is something ancestrally concerning about a white guy approaching you saying, I'm just going to put some disease in you. It will definitely be fine this time. <laughs> well, yeah, all trial schemes have a few teething <laughs> troubles, even if they were you know, a couple hundred years ago. What pox? No, never
0: mind.
4: <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. I, I've been. Uh, one, I've been concerned about the language of the Covax uh, situation, and maybe it's a, an English, English to American English translation, but when I read the Covax scheme that doesn't inspire a load of confidence. It sounds (laughs) conspiratorial, (laughs) nefarious. Um, And I I sense a bit of back by British press about this rollout. Uh, Ghana, a nation of 30, 31 million people, is getting 600,000 doses of the remaindered vaccines. Uh, And it's just, I think, for any colonial power or former, Real progress is when you start with the former colonies and work your way back uh, rather than waiting uh, to give the leftover vaccines to those who you ruled over and determined the fate of and, in some ways, destroyed. <laughs>
0: On the side, aside from this this, this this scheme to to spread vaccines around the world, rich and powerful countries have been tying up and stockpiling their supplies first because well i mean let 's be we were far sighted enough to have become rich and powerful in the first place, and what would have been the point of that if we don 't cash in our membership benefits at club Global privilege <laughs> and club iniquitous legacies of history when we need to you know that's, that's just that 's just how these things work um, The World Health Organization has warned that the uh, inequitable vaccine distribution could extend the pandemic and cause uh, avoidable long-term economic and travel disruption for for years and years, uh, as well as potentially facilitating the rise of more funky and fruity new COVID uh, variants. But still, from a British perspective, we're winning. We are winning. <laughs> Go team! G- eat our syringe-laden dust, world. We, we are we are winning. <laughs> team GP.
4: That is the most enthusiasm I've seen. From a, a British person outside of a football arena in quite some time. <laughs> true emotion. Yes, indeed, I am a prophet. In March,
0: arch-royalists Tiff Stevenson and Nato Green joined me. Royal news now, and well, since we're on the subject of uh, uh, <laughs> wasting public money, uh, it's it's time to look at the, the latest <laughs> situation in the, the royal family here in uh, in the United Kingdom. And for anyone worried about Britain, in this post-Brexit, post-divorce phase. Worry no more, because the vital signs of life are still there. The definitive proof that Britain lives on alive and well, because we are still tearing ourselves apart over the royal family as it tears itself apart. Now, um, there's very few things that genuinely bind this country together, Tiff, but uh, medieval feudalism (laughs) remains one of them. And um, Over the past week, the country has been divided once again into fundamentally people who... Couldn't give a flying fuck about the internal squabblings of our symbolic non-executive figurehead family, and those who do give a flying fuck about it. And I mean, it's quite hard. I'm not sure there is a bridge between those two two halves of the country, is there?
5: Um, I think there. I think there is. I think there's a there's a um, like abolish the monarchy, which is me, uh, but also at the same time, I quite like Meghan and Harry, um, and I view them like we don't need the royals anymore. We've got celebrities now let's just go like the America, the Americans and just have celebrity families. Uh, we don't, I mean, it's been an interesting week because uh, uh, back in 2018, uh, myself and uh, a little known comic called John Oliver, um, <laughs> both both did bits on TV about uh, why, uh, both did bits about, well, answering the question of, are you excited by the Royal wedding? Um, which, which, I was asked uh, multiple times, and by Americans, like kind of, because I think Americans assume that British people are generally on board with the monarchy. Um, and when I was asked, you know, like, was I excited about the wedding? I said no. How would you have to feel if you had to pay every time a Kardashian got married? <laughs> um, like that's sort of how I feel about royal weddings.
6: <laughs> I I I'm following this as an outsider to your shenanigans. Uh, so, and I'm trying to follow who people are, so, but, so, uh, but Piers Morgan looks like if Stephen Fry was a sausage casing having a, an allergic reaction to itself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch the, uh,
0: Oprah Winfrey, uh, interview with, uh, with Megan and Harry, uh, because, well, A, I'm 46, uh. And, you know, I'm not really an adult in any respects of my life, but I have grown out of giving a flying one about stories of princes and princesses and castles and magic hats and families being appointed by God to do a specific job for an infinite number of generations. That is my one concession to adulthood. And I'm, like I said, I'm just not my view of the royal family. It's very much like someone's view of snooker who doesn't like snooker. Um. Uh, I mean, the similarities are obvious. I don't really care what happens. I don't understand why it's on TV so much. I'm slightly confused by the strange, old-fashioned <laughs> clothing. Uh, not, most other countries don't really like the idea of it. Uh, it would be nice if it's a little more diverse, and it's probably a matter of time before China takes the whole thing over. So, uh, you know, I can uh, I can see you know that people do like it. Not not my bag. Um, nothing against you know. Most of the royal family as individuals, as outdated historical relics go, they're they're fine uh, in the grand scheme of things, if you overlook the perpetuation of the socially corrosive view that you can be born special. And I'm prepared to do that just this once. (laughs) But I think the problem with this is that, and why this has caused such ructions, is because the royal family is a beacon of Britishness. And in this interview, it was really an assault on some of the absolute pillars of British traditions, (laughs) such as not talking openly about mental health, not calling out racism and of rich and powerful men's wives being nice and quiet and not saying anything. Now, those are three bulwarks <laughs> of our history <laughs> and society, and they rode roughshod over them. So you can understand why some people have got very cross about it. I,
6: I love that feature of British news coverage that, that uh, where the buildings talk. Buckingham Palace is speaking to, yeah. ten, to 10 Downing. <laughs> 10 Downing had a stern rebuke to Buckingham Palace. The palace would like a word. <laughs> Buckingham Palace and <laughs> Ten Downing or Spooning?
0: April now, the sexiest month in the mind of T.S. Eliot. He was a bit odd. And also, it was a very sexy Easter, as revealed by Tom Ballard. Uh, th- there's been an advert uh, featuring a same-sex kiss uh, on a Cadbury's cream uh, egg advert, and it has caused uh, all manner of holy meltdowns. Tom... Uh, you are, are um, contradicting the uh, laws of uh, Almighty God correspondent. Um, just just bring, us up to, bring us up to date with that.
7: <laughs> oh, thank you, Andy. A pleasure <laughs> to finally fill this segment. I've been waiting for my chance. <laughs> Send me in, coach. Um, yes, look, this was an advert. It, this is sort of kicked around in February. Uh, basically, two men are sharing a cream egg. They're celebrating the 50th anniversary by both kissing each other and sharing an egg between their mouths, uh, while a voiceover says, we are down with that. Uh, of course, bigoted zealots like Andy Zaltzman would rather voice ever simply say, down with that, but uh, <laughs> that's not how his edits didn't get through. But 30,000 people signed a petition to try and have the ad withdrawn, saying that it was offensive to members of the Christian community, which, you know, I thought it was pretty kind of tame, and I, I, it's just two guys kissing, you know. I think if they really wanted to offend the Christian community, they could have shown five guys f***ing each other's f- holes with giant <laughs> chocolate dildo f- eggs while dressed as giant f- bunnies shoving f- Covered crucifixes in each other's buns, shooting their cream all over each other's, as well as furious fucking the out of each fucking balls and fucking out their own Easter trees. You know, I mean, that was just like a suggestion (laughs) that maybe could have
0: worked. So, I mean, so, but uh, uh, it's the, I mean, I I do ask this, you know, respectfully as a Jew, uh, Tom, but why do your people hate Jesus so much? On to May now, and here is Aditi Mittal explaining how the Indian administration took aim at the scientific community. Top story this week. Well, chaos in India, as Aditi has already uh, told us. Uh, It's, uh, well, tragic and terrifying times uh, in India. Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister, has... uh, well, taken a fair amount of criticism, I think it's it's fair to say, albeit not from himself, um, and uh, accusations that the government is uh, misrepresenting and suppressing the true numbers of cases and deaths uh, in the pandemic. And when you are obviously lying about the numbers of cases and deaths in a pandemic such as this, and those numbers are still absolutely horrific, it does suggest that things are really going very badly uh, indeed. Um, Aditi, I mean, it's, uh, well, it's really sort of heart- heartbreaking uh, seeing this particularly after you know Modi and, and his ministers had sort of announced victory over the virus not long ago
2: yeah um and to be honest like I, I don't know how other comedians are doing it uh, but uh, it, this you know it's increasingly difficult to uh, sort of you know like shrug and grin at a lot of things that are happening around you you're like where does parody begin and real life end um and so that, that, like, as that line blurs further and further, uh, last week we had uh, The Lancet, which is a British medical magazine that wrote a very scathing editorial on uh, uh, Narendra Damodar Das Modi's handling of the pandemic in India. And as a comedian uh, right now, it's kind of weird to talk shit about Modi because this is the first time in history that everyone is also talking shit about Modi. So it's... <laughs> It's 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 a weird sort of satisfaction mixed with mixed in with sadness, and um, this is not the first time that the Lancet has uh, asked the central government of India to do better. In fact, uh, the first time the Lancet had written to the government of India was uh, to describe the mental health impact of Article 370 removal on the people of Jammu and Kashmir, which happened on the day that we recorded an episode of Live in Edinburgh with you, Nish, which was about 200 years ago in uh, 2019. (laughs) (laughs) I I now know my history in Bugle episode numbers. (laughs) Um, But at that point in time, people were pissed at the intervention of Lancet. They were like, who's this some British-ass magazine to ask us questions like... We're going to introduce our own magazine and we're going to call it The Hacksaw, which is what our healthcare system has taken in the past few months. We're going to publish our own shit on okay? Like, someone actually said this. They said, why do we care about what The Lancet says? It's run by Chris Lamo liberal terrorists. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, one, find a bunch of Chris's and a bunch of Lamos who agree on anything, right? Uh, In order to come together. (laughs) Far be it from something as organized as like terrorism, right? And I'm a liberal. I'm a liberal. And let me tell you, I don't want to do anything. I really don't want to be organized. Like when you say organized religion to me, it's not the religion part that scares me. It's the organized part. But I'm like, (laughs) this is too much work. (laughs) But (laughs) at that time, um, you know, uh, when the Lancet had written about the Indian government, the same handles who were previously tweeting, hashtag boycott Lancet, um, this time were the ones asking for oxygen cylinders and Rem remdesivir for their loved ones on social media. I mean, if there's poetic justice in this, f- poetry. This is not the justice anyone wants or deserves. But really, this time, Modi ji has displayed a massive respect for the dead in India. That's why he's killing more and more of us. <laughs> This time, uh, Lancet told Modi to take responsibility for his mistakes. Now, this is a guy who hasn't taken a single question from the press in six years. So responsibility is a huge ask. (laughs) At this point, the Modi government is as useful as a one-legged man at an ass-kicking contest. (laughs)
3: Lancet
2: told the central government to own up to its mistakes. And that is not going to happen because Modi himself has blamed a lot of his own mistakes on Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru, who is the first (laughs) Prime Minister of Independent India. Like he has done it so often now that it's become a running gag on Twitter, like on Indian Twitter, couples upload pictures of their newborn babies saying Nehru did
8: this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but narendra modi and his government have displayed a kind of vindictive nastiness towards science and reasoning that i normally reserve for my exes <laughs> it feels it feels like science once slept with modi didn't call him back and then got married to the opposition <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. i'm starting to understand the crisis now put it in terms that we can all relate to in June, we welcomed Chris Addison to the Bugle family and he profiled the horny British, shall we say, politician, Matt Hancock.
6: I was in WH Smith this week uh, looking for a copy. All right, of, big you, shot, don't woo flash woo it about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've got the cash. i got, I got a voucher. I've got a voucher for a big, big bar of dairy milk, free with my daily mail. I was in, uh, in Smith's this week. No, I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for a socially distanced version of Hello magazine called Hello magazine uh, when I, uh, I happened to notice May's issue of Entitled Thicky Monthly, and just under a picture of cover star Nadine Dorries holding a book upside down were the words, this month's quiz, are you Matt Hancock? So just to check, I, I bought it. Let me, let me read it to you. Okay. Question one. You find yourself in Boris Johnson's office in number 10 Downing Street. Opposite you is a talking haystack in an ill-fitting suit with jizz stains by the half-open flies. It asks you if you want to be Secretary of State for the Department of Health. Do you, A... Politely decline on the grounds that there may be others better suited to the position, since you yourself have the intellectual chops of a turnip with a face drawn on. Or (laughs) B, jump at the chance in the deluded hope that the power you will wield might in some way fill the insatiable black hole in your soul that you first noticed when Emma Swinton, who you'd fancied since year seven, laughed at the fresh Prince haircut you just got because she once said she thought Will Smith was hot. (laughs) Question two. There is a global pandemic. You, a man no one in their right mind would trust to be able to spell PPE, let alone arrange <laughs> billions of items of it, have to arrange billions of items of PPE. Who do you contact? A, a company which has made surgical items for the past seven decades and supplies many of the largest hospitals in the West, or B, some guy called Marco you met on Hugo Stagnu, who was really hilarious, and provided the nurse's costume you made the groom go on a pub crawl in, who will respond to your WhatsApp offer of a contract with a dick pick captioned get it up your bum boy three lorry loads of sainsbury's handle tie bin bags and an invoice for 180 million pounds and question three 127,000 people are dead do you resign a yes or b of course not shame is for catholics and pussies if you answered mainly a congratulations you're not matt hancock if you answered mainly b commiserations you are matt hancock please ask the person who helped you read this to explain to you that eventually the shit is going to hit the fan bounce off the fan, and get stuck between two pieces of bread. And when that happens, someone is going to have to choke down that foot-long turd sub and smile. Stack <laughs> up on condiments, Matt, because that someone is you.
0: <laughs> the month of July brought the final of Euro 2020. Yes, it was in the wrong year, but England made the final in a spectacular way. Oh, and there was racism. Here's Nish Kumar.
3: Uh, on the 8th of June Gareth Southgate the England football manager and Latter Day Saint and I will murder anyone who says otherwise published a universally praised blog post explaining that taking knee was an anti-racist gesture that the whole team had adopted after a long conversation within the squad where the black players talked openly about their experiences of racism then there was a screeching sound that sounded like a BG had taken a punch to the ball bag. It was, in (laughs) fact, the screeching U-turn of the Prime Minister trying to get back into the nation's good books when he condemned the booing. However, his other ministers did not follow suit. Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, whose latest round of immigration reforms included the phrase, and I'm quoting directly here, ''Hey, guess what, pinkos? I'm going to deport that trouserless freeloader Paddington Bear and he can eat his marmalade sandwiches in hell for all I care.'' (laughs) She said the booing uh, was a choice for the fans and that she didn't support the gesture politics of taking the knee. Patel has subsequently condemned the racism suffered by the players and has been rightly put in her place by England player Tyrone Mings, who claimed, you don't get to stoke the fire at the beginning of the tournament by labelling our anti-racism message as gesture politics and then pretend to be disgusted when the very thing we're campaigning against happens. He could have (laughs) saved himself a lot of time by just responding, f*** you, you hypocritical piece of shit.
0: I mean, Nish, it did show that. I mean, obviously politics is not what it used to be. But, I mean, it does show where we've come to, That the fact that the Home Secretary was being schooled on issues of social justice and basic human dignity by the Aston Villa centre-back. That comes as no surprise these days. That shows what we are in third millennium Britannia, doesn't it?
3: yeah and it's it's not just pretty patel there are various Tory MPs uh, who said that they were not happy with the taking a knee gesture uh, one of them said that they uh, that they would not be watching any of the games Lee Anderson uh, he said that he was gonna boycott the whole of European uh, of the European Championship in protest at the decision to take the knee because he said it showed support for a political movement and risked alienating traditional supporters and I think we all know what he means <laughs> when he says traditional hey on an on Related subject, my favourite Disney film is Snow Traditional and the Seven Dwarves. Non-animated film is Traditional Men Can't Jump.
0: In August, the Taliban took over Afghanistan, but on the plus side, Alice Fraser was thinking about Bitcoin and OnlyFans. Uh, Moving on from the Taliban, well perhaps not coincidentally. Um, uh, just as the Taliban have begun a, uh, begun a crackdown in Afghanistan, the OnlyFans website uh, is cracking down on people uh, junking and pooking their assorted undercrofts uh, on their their website. They are uh, t- t- they are set to outlaw uh, sexually explicit material on, on their site. This does raise the question, is OnlyFans a stooge of Taliban oppression, Alice?
8: Well, Andy, it's sort of an, an astonishing thing, OnlyFans, being basically synonymous with selling pictures of your junk to strangers, uh, has decided that the one thing they are no longer going to allow is junk pics being sold to strangers. And it's sort of casting ripples throughout the internet. It's like, it's a sort of an existential doubt. If OnlyFans is not showing pornography anymore, what can we trust about the internet we all trust so much? <laughs> uh w- what will the future hold if it doesn't hold 299 tits <laughs>
5: <laughs> 299 tits whoppers for a fiver um <laughs> i i'm going to i'm personally moving away from that site cuz i have a a bunch of pictures of um delboy and trigger and they're going up on only fans and horses <laughs> um which is the most bugle joke I've ever made. I can't.
8: <laughs> but apparently one of the reasons why they're pulling the pornography off the OnlyFans site is because payment processing companies are increasingly putting their foot down about what payments they will allow to be processed and what payments for what. So Visa and MasterCard uh, last year banned a number of payments to websites that were covering online pornography. Um, it was, which, you know, I, I hate to agree with the Bitcoin maximalists. <laughs> And I feel like this—if not Afghanistan—this is a problem that Bitcoin might solve.
5: Uh, is of it course- because
8: they don't want you to get your porn
5: on layaway? Is that like you can't buy porn on a credit card?
8: <laughs> well, look—the look, thing—the thing about Bitcoin, uh, if you—if you use Bitcoin on something like OnlyFans, is you could watch so many young men masturbating about their Bitcoin.
0: <laughs> um, uh, of course, we should point out. With regard to OnlyFans, that many users do use the site for the very interesting journalistic articles. Uh, let's never forget that side that side of it. But you know, if they if they did, you know, take, uh, take the Taliban on on as an you know OnlyFans yeah, members, you know, gave, gave them uh, an account. It might help OnlyFans shed the idea that they're just a two-bit exploitative filth broker. If they could also prove that they can exploit hardline religious franchises as well, show that they can cater for the entire spectrum of human activity from sex to sects. <laughs> but the problem with the problem with religion though generally reluctant to cults <coughs> the problem with the kind of hardline religious um sects though they're generally reluctant to go down the only fans path they prefer to go with the everyone whether they're fans or not path. so there could be some creative tension between the two franchises well if it 's a month beginning with September and ending in er then you 've got a pretty good chance that Texas is going to pick a fight with women and indeed in any other month. Here it is explained by Alice with Chris Addison in a, 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 a ruling in Texas uh, well, a ruling in the American Supreme Court by a narrow five to four uh, majority. the uh, a Texas law banning all abortions after six weeks of pregnancy go into effect. This is largely the uh, sort of Republican side of the American political seesaw, which is um, you know a party that doesn't believe in state intervention in people's businesses uh, or in people's um, not being shot by deranged, gun-toting lunatics, but does believe in state intervention in, in people's wombs, which, I mean, Alice, do you, I mean, do you think this is, are, are we misrepresenting this? I mean, it does seem slightly hypocritical.
8: It's such a peculiar law, Andy. I don't know if you've looked at the details of the law, but it allows bounties for snitches. Like a weird pro-life video game where you just whack someone who's helping and their coins transfer to you. Bing, 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 bing. But oh no, then one of those coins was a sperm and you have to quickly gestate your new baby to term and look after it for 18 years even though you don't know where that coin has been. If your grandmother was right, all coins have been up someone's butthole. Sorry, I got derailed. It's so badly written as a law. You have to assume that they assumed it wouldn't pass. (laughs) It's like, it's very dog who caught the car and then had to figure out how to administer a rule that lets you basically just take $10,000 off someone involved in helping someone in distress. It's completely incoherent, almost impossible to enforce unwieldy, it's like if someone just transcribed a drunk uncle's pro-life rant onto a napkin and then slammed it down in front of the Texas legislature and went, this whole thing, before puking into a pot plant.
0: That's basically how the American Constitution was written, isn't it? I'm sure the founding fathers were f***ing It was written in a Frank
6: and Benny's on a Friday night.
8: (laughs) I just want a sane and rational society where everyone gets all their tubes pegged at puberty And then you have to do a test to get a child licence, and it's a one-question test, which is, do you want to have a child? (laughs) And then they randomly select one social media post you've made, and you have to name your child that post in full.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be tricky for me. That means my first child would have been called Die Motherfucker Die. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Um. dmd <laughs> Um And six weeks is, I mean, that is absurdly early. Isn't it? Before yeah. some people have realised they're pregnant, or at least you know, certainly come to terms psychologically with the implications of pregnancy on your life, your lifestyle, your responsibilities. I know when, when my wife and I found out that sh- she was pregnant in 2006, well, it took me a good, well, decade and a half and counting to get my <laughs> head around it, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> you mean if I want to go out and watch sport on my own, I've got to monetise it? What the um, um, I mean, uh, Chris, I know you're a massive fan of the brutal inhumanity of American vested interest politics. What's your. uh?
6: Well, the thing is, my problem with this law (laughs) is that it makes it even more difficult to ask that age old question am I in Texas or am I in Saudi Arabia? (laughs) (laughs) Oil in the ground? Check. Large areas of desert? Check. Distinctive headgear? Check. Religious lunatics are standard? Check. Somewhat punchy attitude towards immigration? Check. They're talking, but I can't understand what they're saying? Check. <laughs> Hatred of women masquerading as moral high ground? Check. Really, the only way you can tell now whether you're in Texas or Saudi Arabia is to order some food and see whether it comes with barbecue sauce or hummus.
0: <laughs> October now. Three words for you. Shrinkflation and Neil Delamere. Uh, ignore the and. Uh, Well, Neil, I I think you are the Bugle's uh, shrinkflation uh, correspondent. Uh, Yes. Essentially, it's where the price of a a product stays the same, but the quantity that you're getting for that price comes down. Yeah. Yeah is that uh that's correct
9: yeah. that's pretty much what it is uh, energy prices are going up uh, all the staple prices are going up so rather than some food company charging you uh, more they charge you the same amount and they give you say five cream eggs as one example rather than six and you're meant to not notice this it's happening all over the place uh, even mm. if you don't know it i bought a, a terry's chocolate satsuma the other day by mistake <laughs> and this sort of stuff is Everywhere. Ninety percent of Britons in a recent survey said that they were annoyed at signs of shrinkflation. And of course that was ninety five percent last year. So even (laughs) within the survey, this sort of stuff has happened.
0: Right. But actually the average the average height and weight of the people annoyed has also come down.
9: Yeah, massively so yeah it 's happening Every, everything is getting smaller I, a couple of years ago I went to I like to go in Scotland for my holidays and I went to the Isle of Sky and I went horse riding and The horses were huge and massive and muscular and A couple of weeks ago, I went to Shetland, unbelievably disappointing I have to say <laughs> they were absolutely <laughs> tiny and I think it 's time that we, we start protesting this
0: yes. they 're riding roughshod of us it, it, i mean it's this it is tragic M- multi packs of crisps have come down from 24 packets to to 22 uh, which has caused rioting on the streets, bags of peanuts down by 10% in size eggs, down from chicken eggs to worm eggs, Uh, fizzy drinks are now 50% more bubbles, equating to 8% less liquid, frozen peas are now mostly hollow uh, the supermarket chain Adequate has just uh, launched its new Just the Packaging range, which has absolutely no food in whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, jelly babies, I remember when they were jelly adults. Um, yeah. and, um, <laughs> Next getting... year, it'll
9: be je- jelly embryos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> getting... Uh... Uh, Banned in Texas, of course.
7: I was reading an article, This it said recent examples include Walkers, which cut two bags of crisps from its 24-bag multi-packs, while the price stayed at £3.50. Smith's Smith's Frazzles and Chipsticks now sell in a pack of six bags instead of eight for one pound. And, Andy, I believe Frazzles and Chipsticks was the original name of your double act with John Oliver. Isn't that right? (laughs) It it was, yeah. Isn't that right, Frazzles? uh,
9: that is Frazzles and chipsticks are also his nicknames for his testicles
7: oh really
9: Mm. Frazzles Frazzles is a bit more fast and loose with the rules he's actually going to base a buddy cop movie on his own testicles chipsticks I was one day away from retirement I'm too old for this shit shit. I hang lower come on yeah to be honest my my testicles
0: are in retirement essentially anyway so (laughs) Too close to home. Um, obviously, the, pi- the pioneer of shrinkflation was Jesus Christ, um, who fed the 5,000. But did he fill the 5,000? Uh, questions remain. And, you know, it's much about branding, isn't it? Is it shrinking or is it, you know, is it nouvelle cuisine? Um, you know, potato, little artisan,
9: potato. Uh, it's, very, it's very hard to tell, really. There's a way around this as well because all these foods are going to get more expensive, right? So why do we keep buying them? The like Heinz and Kraft and all the rest are going, oh, listen, you're going to have to buy our stuff and it's going to be more expensive. Let's go back to the old ways. Why don't we make them ourselves? I mean, you could buy Pepsi Max or you could get a a, a smoker that, you know, to cough their tar into an aquarium. <laughs> and once the the pump puts bubbles into it, that's, you know, Pepsi Max essentially. You know, right. Do you want Capri Sun or do you want to piss in some tinfoil? These are the <laughs> questions we have to ask ourselves. Is it a <laughs>
7: Raffaello... These are some white dogs, yeah. I
9: mean, think
7: outside the box. Yeah, um. I'm looking at a few other um, effects. Uh, more shrinkflation happening across British society. Andy, the number of balls in a cricket over will be cut from six down to four. The number of surviving beetles is expected to be slashed by fifty percent any day now. Uh, Andy Zaltman's shows are expected to come with forty five percent fewer puns, and in fact. Cost pressures are now getting so bad, the Met Police has had to slash any criminal investigations into allegedly pedophilic members of the royal family by 100% now. They're down 100%. Which gonna is just...
0: going to save a lot of money. It's going to save a lot of money. Moving on to November now, once again the penultimate month of the year, and Boris Johnson got himself into a mess with rule-breaking politicians. Here's a previously unheard
10: section with Stuart Lee and Felicity Ward. When you said um, that, you know, that... He's no, can I can't put my wang into this until people complain? You know, people are saying that one of the things that swung it was that most of the papers, even the Daily Mail, had come out against him. Although Tim Stanley is a support, he's not bad for a journalist of that ilk, but I think he writes for Telegraph, doesn't yeah. he? he? He was on Question Time and he said that in trying to get, um, uh, Paterson off the hook. He said, "I think the prime minister was motivated by a sense of decency," which again got laughter from the very sparse <laughs> Question Time audience. So again, with hope, I think maybe people are just getting to the point where, if it becomes laughable, it's difficult to come back right. from that. I think mm. if everything you say is just appears laughably absurd, I right. think maybe it's hard to come back from that. I've been trying to reach that point throughout my entire career. <laughs> I thought I found myself thinking that you know a lot of questions were asked about. Uh, You know, the woman from the Green Party said she does eighty-hour weeks. How can you have two other jobs as well as being Mm. an MP? But if they can do two jobs, there are more important extra jobs that need doing in this country right now (laughs) than being a sausage person, aren't there? Like, we need lorry drivers, bin men, pig slouchers.
11: Or if you're really bad at being an MP and holding a second job, maybe pick one and be good at it. Yes, that's. I know that's novel. But you're not you're not like a single mum catching three buses to be a nurse in the middle of town. No. You, you're doing fine, so you just drop one. Just well, drop I'll, one. You know,
10: I would like to see Dominic Raab having to slaughter a pig, or Pretty Patel taking a fly tip sofa to a dump, or James Cleverly delivering a lorry load of Savaloy. I think they can step in <laughs> to weather those current job shortages and see.
11: I wouldn't like to see Pretty Patel at an abattoir, though. I, the joy no. that she would have in her face. Yeah. As she worked through the animals, hoping that they were still a little bit alive, as she took their life.
10: <laughs> oh, God, that's the second awfully bleak image I've got to take away from this.
11: Well, that's pretty Patel for it's you. Dark. She's an it's dark,
10: vote. back out in the world. Do, it? you, know, dark, do you, know, you know
11: about uh, uh, Angela Minister? The, uh, Angela Minister, Angela Richardson, the junior minister who lost her job from a, She she's a Tory yeah. who abstained from the vote. She yeah. didn't vote against it. Yeah. She abstained and she lost her job. Her job has been reinstated. Do you know what department she works in? Mm. (laughs) The Department of Leveling Up. That is the name (laughs) of the department. And the quote that describes it is, the UK government has a, a department for leveling up which is supposed to support communities in the UK to thrive, making them great places to work and live. You could not make this shit up. Genuinely.
10: (laughs) She she was out of a job for 24 hours and then it got back when the...
11: Then she levelled back up into... The
10: (laughs) the problem they've got, I mean, I know this isn't sensible discussion time, but the problem they've got is (laughs) it might be increasingly hard for them to whip their own MPs into voting for these ridiculous, unfair, lying things if they think it's going to backfire on them because there's going to be a U-turn 24 hours later and they're going to have to write a second letter to all the constituents that complained to them (laughs) Mm. saying, I didn't agree with it anyway, but I was made to do it. Well, it's kind of a difficult position. Put yourself
11: in. Yeah, there, there's a book called Animal Farm, and uh, it's just starting to smell like that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, Owen Patterson said, following his resignation, he wanted a life, quotes, outside the cruel world of politics. And you can sort of understand that. Um, looking at his voting record on the website theyworkforyou.com, he uh, repeatedly voted against paying higher benefits over longer periods for those unable to work due to illness or disability. Voted against raising welfare benefits, uh, at least in line with prices. Mm. Generally voted for reductions in spending on welfare benefits in general. Voted against laws to promote equality and human rights, uh, against measures to prevent climate change. Generally voted against equal gay rights. And voted against ending financial support for um, some 16- to 19-year-olds in training and further education. So you can see why he wants to move outside <laughs> the cruel... Cruel world of politics, because uh, that participates. Well, that <laughs> thirst must now have been thoroughly <laughs> and legislatively slaked. December, I'm right in it right now. Thanks for asking. And here's a bit from the Bugle Ashes Earncast, our spin-off cricket show. Thanks to the Bugle, other side of three thousand X Ouija record board, we can commune with the former Baggy Green skipper now. Uh, we'll just place the call. Warwick Armstrong, is is that you? Are you there? Hello. Uh, hi, I'm trying to, trying to get a hold of uh, Warwick Armstrong, the former Australian uh, cricket captain. He's busy. W- what do you mean he's busy? He's dead.
11: You can be busy if you're dead. Sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. It's you know, just between us.
0: So, so who, who who am I speaking to?
11: Aileen, I'm his wife. Who are you?
0: Oh, um, uh, hello, Aileen. I'm Amanda uh, Zoltzman from the Bugle Ashes Earncast. It's a it's a podcast.
11: A what, mate? Uh,
0: you wouldn't understand. C- can you get Warwick for us? I was hoping to talk to him for our Ashes preview.
11: No, he's been, He's teaching Charlemagne the Great how to bowl leg spin.
0: Oh, fair enough. Uh, well, maybe you can talk to us then, uh, Aileen. I mean, what, what do you personally remember about the nineteen twenty twenty one series as the wife of the victorious Australian captain?
11: Well, I remember Warwick scored three centuries. <laughs> well,
0: that's a tremendous memory considering it was over a hundred years ago now.
11: Well, the thing is, every time he scored a hundred for Australia, I used to let him uh, 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 take me out for tea at the uh, at the tea rooms. Yes, yes, tea, un- unforgettable tea. You don't forget when a six foot three inch twenty one stone man. <laughs> Takes you out two. Is it three times in a season?
0: I mean, it must have been a, a very exciting time for you. Oh, it was. Uh, and for cricket, of course. Um, you know, coming back after after the war. Now, obviously, the current Australian team have also had a bit of a break from the game. What do you think Warwick uh, would say to the Australian bowling attack if he were uh, alive today?
11: Tell him to go hard at Burns Offstup first up. Um, push Hamid back with some short ones, go full at Milan, cut off Roots Run, square of the wicket and make him drive. Try to stop Nathan Lyne crying when Ben Stokes comes in. Fast and straight with a bit of induct at Bearstow, corridor to Butler, don't give Wokes any room outside the stump. Yorkers to Robinson and Broad and let Jimmy have a nod out.
0: Well, that's bang on point. Sounds like he's still got it.
11: We've still got it. I used to sit by the boundary holding up different cakes for different bowlers. And if he did what I told him, he got to eat them.
0: And did he do what you told him?
11: Have you seen the size of him? (laughs) Gotta go now, Andy. I'm meeting Joan of Arc for a game of cribbage. uh,
0: Well, Alien Armstrong, Mrs Bigship, thank you very much for joining us. You little beauty! That is it for your Bugle review of 2021. Don't forget tickets are still available for my remaining satirist for high shows... 21st and 23rd of December in Melbourne and 4th of January in Sydney. And the Bugle live shows, 22nd of December in Melbourne and the 4th of January in Sydney before the Satirist for Hire show. Details online. Where you can also buy Bugle Christmas jumpers, I think, unless they're sold out. Which they might be. Bye-bye.